thank you. Welcome to another edition of the Dog or Pass podcast. This for UFC Shenzhen from uh, China. Apparently, there's some issues. Like I, I, I should really be up on world news and stuff, but there's issues going around there. So they they've been worried about this card not happening. You're bringing it up now, and yet your boy Khabib fighting in Abu Dhabi. I don't really keep up on world news and issues as well, but a little controversy there as well, no, Paul. Maybe just a little bit, but you don't care because it's your boy Khabib. And oh, I, I don't really care about this. I can this see it. I can see either. it. I can see it on your baseball. There's fights. You love fights. You're a fight fan, but you're salivating for next week. You're salivating for the main. Yeah, that that's not this pay per view either. But no, no. And, and, and but like, week, of course, it's Khabib fight week. So I'll have my hat. I'll I'll be a general jackass on here, and yeah, and people will get their laughs. And and then if he does happen to lose. I will get uh, chastised and tormented on Twitter probably for yeah, a while. Yeah. But, like, I've built it up. I've built it up that eventually one day it's going to happen. But not, this, not week, this time. this week, we're off to a hurt and start. A, terribly rainy day in Toronto. B, yep. as you probably have noticed by this point, a couple flashes. It's a Chinese bootleg version of our UFC China predictions. Yeah. Uh, as obviously, you've got to keep switching for yourself. I'm writing the time codes down. Our winner... No, you have the winner on hand. You gotta, you gotta revert to the Twitter account to figure out who won the DK bucks on Twitter. So yeah, the last two, the last two winners. Up. I believe it's the pin tweet. Well, it will be the pin tweet by the time I release this. I will pin pin that tweet for the winners for the last two uh, DK DK winners for what UFC two forty. And yeah. or 241 and the Montevideo card, yeah. I believe. They it's may been have a couple noticed. of weeks. We're, if you've noticed, we're that you a little have an rough. Extra, we're a little rusty at this point. If you notice at this point you've got an extra 20 DK bucks in your account, then you know you've won. And if you want to check the account, anyways, yeah, just give that a little follow. Yep. All right. Well, uh, before what's this we, week's contest winner? Who? Um, great question. Who is your favorite? Which UFC <laughs> debutante are you most excited to see on UFC Shenzhen? You can answer any of them. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of people who have never fought. I, I, I think mine would probably be Ibrahimov. We'll get to him. We'll get to him a little bit later down the card. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's a good one. So leave your DK handle. Like the show. Like the show. And say who you are most excited to see that hasn't fought in the UFC. Who's making their debut this weekend? At three o'clock in the morning <laughs> in Shenzhen, that you're like, I can't wait. I'm gonna to see up. blank. Yeah, exactly. Give your prospect. I was gonna give mine, but yeah. This may worry. be the hardest challenge that I've that we've ever put out there to the people. <laughs> there is no wrong answer. Considering the card, okay. All enough. right, main event action. We've got Jessica Andrade taking on Weili Zhang. Jessica Andrade, 8700 on DraftKings, minus 190 favor. Zhang is 7500. And plus 165. When I went and back and watched Whaley Zhang versus Tisha Torres, I know she's going to have a different game plan for this, but a lot of the situations where she got done, like where she ended up in dominant positions, she utilized her strength in grappling. Now, I guess it's against Torres. She has that advantage, but like that's not an out, I don't think, against Andrade. She'll slam you up on top of your head. So, I don't know. Zhang, Zhang obviously, she's going to have to gain her respect. She likes to throw a lot of spinning stuff, at least early on in the fight. Like, she's going to have to gain Andrade's respect in that, res- or to, to be able to stop her. Otherwise, I think Andrade's going to walk her down and just, like, pummel this girl. The one big thing is that we're in China, though. 
So how is Andrade going to react to that? How long has she been over there? I'm not too sure about that. Uh, pick is Andrade, and I feel pretty safe with her, to be perfectly honest. What about you? Yeah, well, when we broke down um, Rose Namajunas versus Jessica Andrade, I mean, very clearly, Rose Namajunas has the striking advantage, and we perceive that Andrade would be stronger, more physical. Uh, she always comes forward. She's kind of like your boy, John Lineker. Uh, she's just ruthless and aggressive, and she's got that maybe a bit of a ground advantage. She slams on her head. You can't predict something like that, but she utilizes what she does best. Versus what Rose does best. But there's no denying that she's getting picked apart in those stand-up exchanges. Mm. That's the one thing that worries me against Wei Li Zhang. Is that I bet you she probably is a better striker. Is, is, is she a better striker than Rose, though? No, no. Definitely not a better so, striker like, that's, than Rose. So that's the real question. Rose is ultra-sound, ultra-technical, ultra-smooth. And she's a little bit taller. She uses her range, right? When you look at Jessica Andrade, she's like five foot two. Everybody she fights is way taller than her. Wei Li Zhang's only like five foot four. Not mm -hmm. a whole lot taller than her. But technically, she does throw straighter punches versus Andrade's loopy hooks. But if you look at what is uh, three rounds of Andrade versus Tisha Torres, Andrade has like 96 significant strikes and 10 takedowns. She's just relentless. Whereas when you look at Wei Li Zhang, she got hit a lot against Tisha Torres. It's just ultimately she ends the rounds on top in a dominant position, uh, landing the better ground and pound and obviously winning the round. She wins that fight. But there's no denying that she doesn't have at least some spots standing where Tisha Torres is nailing her with big shots. Mm -hmm. To think that Andrade can't do the same thing. Now, listen, this price was like literally yesterday at 165, Andrade. And that yeah. is like, you, how could you not take the champion? It's so weird. This is, I think, a testament to the division and its popularity. But Rose wins the title. She's your champion. And she has to go to Brazil to fight the mm -hmm. challenger in their home court for her first title defense. Makes no sense. Then you take Andrade is going to come to China for her. So, like, I don't know what's going on here. So maybe you have a, a fighter in Weili Zhang that's going to step up to the occasion. Maybe she's going to, it's going to be a close fight. She's got a good cardio. She's got a good gas tank. She's able to win those standing up exchanges. It goes late. Maybe she can win it. And if she is going to win it, I would think it's probably by decision. Also, she, she's not terrible with her grappling. I mean, we saw her score uh, that armbar submission a few fights back. It's like, against uh, Jessica Aguilar. Aguilar's a Ricardo Laborio brown belt. Like, she's been grappling, you know, 10, 15 years. She's been fighting a very long time. And it's the triangle transition to the arm, but, like, this girl's figuring it all out. She's got a late start to MMA, but now she's figuring it all out. She's putting it all together. She's a dangerous challenger. I don't love the price at 190. I loved it at 165. Mm -hmm. 190 is starting to get a little bit out of hand. But I think the consensus here is you got to go champion, and if she isn't winning the striking exchanges, well, then she could very just switch it to plan B power bomb this girl by any means necessary it's not as if we're talking about it like it happened one time against rose it's like no this is what she does that's why it was a viable option for her to rough up rose and she did it's a viable option too that and she's not going to knock her out with a slam but just get her down use those takedowns we haven't really seen somebody exploit that against Whaley Zhang. so i think you got to go to the champion the price is starting to get out of hand i got a feeling by fight time it might be as bad as 210 unless people are having a terrible night and the money starts going the other side because people are chasing dogs but uh, yeah, you're getting a you're getting a UFC champion that's deservedly so in this spot, uh, a bona fide champion for less than two to one, eighty seven hundred dollars on DraftKings. Did I just mention how she fought Tisha Torres for three rounds and had ninety seven significant strikes and ten takedowns? The girl's a machine. Mm -hmm. Again, she's female John Lineker, and we love rostering John Lineker. But, but and she's we love John Lineker John with Lineker grappling. Yeah, so like John Lineker's not shooting takedowns. He's not slamming yeah, people. I mean, and he would slam somebody if, if, if the opportunity downs, presented take itself. Takedowns are the best way to score points. 8700 is a great price tag. And I would go as far as to say, even if you're sitting at home right now and you disagree with me and you think, you know what? I'm taking a poke on the dog. I'm taking Whaley Zhang. Andrade would still be a decent uh, cash game play. You could maybe stack that in cash game. Because even if she loses, you're probably going to get three, four rounds out of her. 
at a quick pace, yeah, machine like pace. And she so could get like not a bad option in a five round loss. She could easily get like 60, 70 points, and like that's not gonna, not gonna win you go, anything, but it's yeah, it's a it's a stackable up, main event. Heads potentially. up, you're playing one other person, you're gonna minimize that. If you're playing the big GPP, you're gonna True. maybe still want her because she's sub 8800 and she's got a very high ceiling you know it's yep. five rounds she could score if she if she does get a finish she's gonna score 100 points if she doesn't get a finish she'd score 100 points as long as she wins co-main event we have eliza zaleski dos santos taking on uh jing liang li eliza zaleski dos santos is 9200 and draft kings minus 300 favorite jing liang li is or Li Jingliang. I never know what Chinese names. They how to always pronounce. switch it on you, Paul. Yeah, it's 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 confusing. Uh, he is seven thousand and plus two fifty. This one, all I can guarantee is that this one's going to be fun. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's going to be fun. Jingliang Li loves to cheat. Like remember when he's like gouging out uh, uh, Jake Matthews. Jake Matthews' yeah, yeah. eyes. That's, and, that, like, that's the best way to get out. But of like this guy way. comes to throw down. <laughs> it's going to be, you know, if he can control the action, he he will. But like against Zaleski, Zaleski's just an absolute murderer um really in all facets of the game he's a pretty underrated guy kind of reminds me of uh of uh rda to be perfectly honest yeah a little bit yeah. more flashy striking but he's, uh he's, always he's, he's really well-rounded all yeah. the way around I, I think the line makes sense here i don't really love him as a DraftKings play because i don't think the grappling is going to be what he goes to here you, you're it's like first round knockout or bust but um i definitely like zaleski to win win the fight here what about you? Yeah, Zaleski, not only is he the type of person that's going to go for it and the $9,200 on DK, like if you are favoring him, this is going to be a banger. It's hard to imagine it's going to go all three rounds, especially the way Zaleski's been fighting. When I look at it, I think he's got the advantage almost everywhere, except for maybe Jing Liang Li's the leech, you know? He's big, strong guy. He comes after you, and if he gets you tired, if you throw all your gas at him, we've seen Zaleski in the past maybe get a little bit tired, but he's 7-1 and one in the UFC seven fight winning streak right now and that one loss split decision in his debut against Nicholas Dalby like realistically he hasn't looked terrible in any of his fights even though he's got a, a couple wonky moments along the way but I mean he, he's kind of doing it all the time he's getting better when I say I think he's a little bit better all over he's faster than uh than Jing Liang Li that's for sure Jing mm-hmm. Liang Li is kind of slow and plotting but he's faster than him he packs wicked punch he's his ground game I mean look at his last couple fights chokes out Curtis Melender his fight with Luigi Furavanti or uh, Benjamini sorry knocks him out fight with Sean Strickland spinning hook kick a uh, fight with Max Griffin Lyman Good those are all decent contenders yep. Kata Nakamura Kata Nakamura he's got a win over Jing Liang Li like he's just if it's going to be a stand-up battle he's a little bit faster he's a little bit sharper where i don't love that he throws that spinning stuff all the time is that he's just a better striker and he's better on the ground but jing liang lee's in china he's always comes forward you can sting lee he's got his head straight up you can hurt him it's that it's hard to knock him out you know Mm -hmm. like you can drop him you can stun him but he keeps coming on you as far as choking him out again you can do that as well so i feel like he's got multiple paths here the 300 I'm not interested in that. But if I'm playing a GPP and I want somebody that's got a high upside that can go out there and score and get their values worth, then Zaleski at $9,200 would be more favorable. I think I'm going to pass on the money line, money line perspective because, again, this has got Fight of the Night banger written all yeah, over it. Yeah, it does look fun. And, and those are the fun type of fights that he might be t- – and I've seen him do this. I've seen Zaleski do this. He's super tired. He's huffing and puffing, and he throws a spinning back kick or something. Like He likes fun fights. The Leech likes fun fights. Lee likes fun fights. 
that's not the kind of thing you want to be sitting three to one on. Yeah, but as far enough. as DK is, you, you want a fun fight. So yeah, I would play Zaleski on DraftKings, but I wouldn't play it on the Interesting. Market. All right, we have Kai Kara France taking on Mark De La Rosa. Kai Kara France, 9,100 on DraftKings, uh, minus 225 favorite. Mark De La Rosa, 7,100 plus 185. Uh, who you got here, Cody? Yeah, see, uh, I, I'm going to go with Kai Kara France. Uh, one thing I'm going to give, you and I talk about this all the time, right? This is a kid that doesn't look good in his last fight whatsoever. There's a lot of hype on him. He comes out in his last fight against Roly and Pava, doesn't fight a great, gets a split decision. But I mean, he's getting beat to the punch. His takedowns, not super effective. Uh, overall, his output, not great. You see where there are those glimpses, but he's just, he's, he's not there. And people are drawing all these comparisons of like, oh, here's a guy that's out of the same camp as Israel Adesanya. And he's out of the same camp as Dan Hooker. And he's out of the same camp as Robert Whitaker. And these guys, and blah, blah, blah. He's spending time with the best guys in the world. And he's getting better. But you have one bad performance, and all of a sudden, geez, how, how good is this guy? How, how realistic? But 26 years old, Paul. So if people want to write him off and I could get a good price on him, I'm willing to suggest that he's got better overall skills, I think, than uh, Mark De La Rosa, who, who's a good ground specialist and is coming back down to 125 pounds and does worry me that he might be better with the ground game. But ultimately, I just feel like he's going to get stood up. When he does get stood up, he's going to get touched up. When he does get touched up, he's going to be losing, especially to a mm -hmm. Chinese audience and a Chinese judging system that the failed takedowns. It's not like in America where like, Oh, I got punched up 30 times standing, but I scored a takedown, spent 90 seconds on top. I might have won that round. Is That's that gonna... not even getting scored here like that anymore. It's not super getting scored like that. Prior to that, he like looked... Like Alton Cunningham versus... What was the other guy's name? Who knows? Yeah. yeah. The Contender Series. Really, like He was holding him up against the cage. Like That doesn't even... Cage control doesn't even really count as anything anymore. Yeah, yeah. It, it, well, that's the problem. So it, you go by different criteria, different judging systems. You don't really know what they're looking at. You don't really know what they're scoring. But I feel like in this spot, particularly, the Australian guy is going to get over better with that crowd. Also, when you look at that last fight, Alex Perez versus Mark Sanchez, you really, you, or sorry, Mark De La Rosa, you really start to see how limited he is when mm. his game's not going his way. And I feel like our Francis, you're going to get a better version of him. The thing is, is that I was hoping to get a better price tag than 225. That's pretty much where I believe the line should be at. So it is fair. The $9,100, I don't love that. You got flyweights here. And he's going to have to get a knockout over De La Rosa. De La Rosa has mm, proven... He, he, he Kai France, a lot of his fights have been like scrambly messes. So like you just hope that it's like scrambly mess is that they're able to get takedowns and there's a lot of reversals and stuff like that. Like there has been a lot of that in his fights. So it's I can understand the pricing here, but... I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it is flyweights. Like you're not gonna get. I don't think the first round knockout is really too much in play here. To be perfectly well, honest. Well, I don't think it's in play either. I mean, Mark De La Rosa, he hasn't proven to be chinny. I mean, his two and two in the UFC, his two losses, Tim Elliott caught him by submission, Alex Perez beat him by decision. His two wins in the UFC, Alex Garcia and Joby Sanchez. He's taking a big jump up in competition in terms of where his wins are at. So I feel like he's going to lose his fight. But whereas you say that a lot of Karakar Francis fights are usually have a bunch of scrambles. If I'm taking on a guy who's a BJJ black belt, who wants to get me to the ground and maybe has a bit of a wrestling advantage, and I know I could just maybe stuff the takedowns and box this, box this guy up standing, that's what I'm going to do. And I feel like that's what he's probably going to do. So whereas maybe if it's one of those flyweight fights that's all over the place, it's going to play out like that. But because this is not grappler versus grappler in one of those type fights, I would, I would pass on that. So whereas the last fight, I'm saying no money line, but I'm interested in DK. This fight's actually re reversed for me. I would say that I'm interested in the money line, but not particularly interested in that, uh, 
And, and if you do like De La Rosa, how is he going to win? He, maybe he could catch a submission. $7,100, I've seen worse punt plays. But I personally yeah. am not backing that side crank. I agree. I agree with you completely. All right, we have Mosar Evloev taking on Zhen Huang Lu. I believe on the DraftKings website, he is listed as LV. That is seemingly not his name. It seemed like a really weird... It's a typo, typo on the website right now. But on Tapology, I trust Tapology. They Do we got have a it. greasy theory coming or what? Yeah, maybe there's, <laughs> maybe we don't even know. Maybe it's the wrong guy that they have listed on Tapology. Who knows? Only time will tell. But uh, Mosar Evloev is ninety five hundred minus seven hundred favorite, biggest favorite on the card. Lou is sixty seven hundred plus five hundred uh, underdog. I don't know. Like watching Lou. He seems to like to go to his grappling, and I think he's just going to lose all of those exchanges against Evloev, who I forget who off the top of my head was. Mike Grundy. Yeah, Grundy. He was getting ready for somebody else who was very good at grappling, yeah. and Common that would have that would have been a lot more interesting. Like this is like, Zheng Wan Lu is like is like Grundy with without the you know borderline Olympic level wrestling. Yeah. So this is like a cupcake matchup for Evloev. It's going to be a grapple-heavy fight. He's 9,500 in DraftKings, but I could see him scoring. I know he didn't really wow with 83 points in his first time out, but I think this is an even more favorable matchup. Um, Troy wasn't too, too, like he wasn't too bad. He had some pop in his hands, at least. There was a little bit more threat of that happening. Like, I think everything just plays right into Evloa here. It's whether you want to pay 9,500. Minus 700, of course, is... Super, super wide too. It's it ends up probably just being a stay away in general, but I like I'm picking Evloev to obviously get the W here. Yeah, I mean it's just a shitty price tag. That's like the main reason you'd want to avoid it. But yeah, no, everything points to Evloev. Not only does he have the superior style, but like this fight's already happened before. Both guys met on an M1 uh, like challenge event way back in the day. Well, not way back. It was like 2015, and it was Evloev's second pro fight versus this guy's like ninth profile. I think he was six and two at the first, at the time. So it was his ninth fight versus Evloev's second fight. When you watch that fight, Evloev, he gets in trouble in some spots, but and it's only two rounder as well. But whenever he wants him down, he just takes him down. Mm-hmm. And then that's about it. But once he is on the ground, he's making a bunch of rookie mistakes, man. But now four years later, he doesn't make those rookie mistakes anymore. He's twenty one years old at the time. Now he's like twenty six years old. So uh, he's just he's improved in all areas, and now you've got the last time that he fought Lou. Lou was actually funny enough coming in on short notice. He put up a decent fight. I was impressed with what I saw, but ultimately he got tossed around. Evloev got the decision, and everybody moved on. And now years later, Lou coming in on short notice, and I bet you he'll give a decent account of himself. But he's gonna get tossed around. He'd be fun if he had some low low end guy, but not a former M1 champion who uh, I guess at 145 pounds. There's the other thing here. He didn't look great his last time out, but that was his first time at 145 pounds. Like mm-hmm. he's the 35 M1 champ. He's 26. He's got great size for the division, so he moves up. And he doesn't look great at 45. He'll look better this time around. Full camp. Uh, how how could you back the other guy? Was he going to catch him? Kid's undefeated. Like the, the, you haven't seen a path of victory against him, so why would you back some Chinese late notice? He's already beaten yeah. when he had no experience. So, right. So seven seven hundred makes all the sense in the world, but but the kid lacks killer instinct, and for that reason, ninety five hundred. I'm going to pass. I'm going to let other people play that because he could dominate him. He could rough him up. But there's something about him. It hurts that would the back rather, end of your lineup for sure. Yeah. Well, he he could score 10, 15 takedowns. Like I'll admit that, but because he shored up those little areas in his game where the last time they fought he'd get the takedown and Lou was able to work his way back up but this time it's like he's not going to make those 
positional mistakes. Like he's just a lot better than he was. And you don't know what kind of shape Lou's in. Lou's actually a fun fighter. Mm-hmm. But Evloev doesn't fight a fun style. He fights a controlling blanket like yeah, style. Yeah. And that's what I love when I bet. But I don't love it when I'm paying $9,500 on DraftKings. So yeah, he scores a ton of takedowns and makes me eat my words. But I think he just cruises to a decision and doesn't quite get up to that 95. We got Mizuki in taking on Wu Yanan. Uh, in a way is... Or Mizuki, sorry, is eighty three hundred minus one forty favorite. Uh, Wu is seventy nine hundred and plus one twenty. Who you got here? Yeah, well, this is why there's weight classes in MMA because Mizuki Inoue is actually a far superior fighter in almost every facet of MMA. She has experience. She has the experience advantage. She has the striking advantage. She has the grappling advantage. She has the cardio advantage. She has absolutely everything. One thing is she's actually really small. And Yanan Wu is just this bigger fighter. So now I have Inoue who's coming in. And I don't think the fight, it's like relatively short notice. And she's coming up a weight class. And those are the kind of fights that even though she's got all these advantages, it's going to be a factor. It's going to play It's gonna play a part that she's given up that size. But I, I, I can't overlook the fact that she's just a far superior fighter. I'm just going to give the quick rundown on her. She's only 25 years old, so we're going to get a better version uh, every time out. But she beat Beck Rawlings at Invicta 6. or uh, Yeah, Invicta FC 6. She was 17 years old at the time. She beat up Beck Rawlings. She then entered the 2013 S-Cup tournament, which is a shootboxing tournament in Japan, winning that. At 18, beats Amy Fujino, longtime veteran, at 18. And her losses, Karolina Kovalkiewicz on a split decision, Alexa Grosso on a unanimous decision, and then whatever, goes back to shootboxing, does all that, and then lost to that Vernon Jandanobra on a split. Mm-hmm. She took the fight against Jandanobra on short notice. It was a title fight. It went five rounds. It's a split. Two of her three pro losses here are splits to Carolina and Jandanobra. And then she beats Vivian Pereira, UFC veteran, in her fight right after. Uh, she never stops coming forward. She's got a great gas tank. She's, she's got it all. When I look at Wu, Wu's a fighter that two fights ago, Paul, literally two fights ago, Gina Mazzani completely outgrappled her against the cage. Then in her last fight, you this is the first thing you brought up. We didn't even talk about the fights before I got here. The only thing you brought up, you were like, she got, she got dropped got... by a left hook by Lauren Murphy. <laughs> You're like, man. And I was like, was it a slip? <laughs> she got the... dropped. You're like, I don't care, man. The ref's head is in the way. You can't tell if it was a slip. And they never showed the replay. So it's like you see it. But like it kind of looks like maybe a slip. But also a left hook that like that rocks rocks her. And then she gets an arm bar from guard. From guard. Who gets arm... Yeah. Who gets an arm bar from guard? Like I'm not betting on anybody who has to yeah. resort to arm bar from guard. Because that's just... Frankly, in like modern MMA, elite MMA, that doesn't happen anymore. You don't see it no, in like elite course. levels of the sport. Of course not. And like everyone at- has the escapes. Anybody who's any good has the escapes yeah. to those. Also, in a way, even though she's got all this like kickboxing background behind her, like in kickboxing experience, I mean, she's a grappler at heart. She's a great grappler. So if she ends up in the same position, I think she wins the exchanges on the feet. If and when it does end up on the ground, she's going to have the advantage. And you look at that last fight against Vivian Pereira. Vivian Pereira, short stocky mm-hmm. Brazilian grappling specialist. In that first round, she gets Inouye down. She ends up on Inouye. The whole time, Inouye is just blasting her with her offense off her back mm-hmm. till she eventually gets back up, stuns her with her striking, gets on top of her, mauls her, and just steals the round back. There's like a minute left, just steals it back, just dominates. And then dominates round two, dominates round three, wins the fight. Like, because I can back that cardio, I feel like even though it's a relatively short notice fight, she should be okay. Uh, the way to beat this girl is with the grappling. She's got that advantage. And I do feel like she is the better striker. So still young, getting better every time. 
I, I don't mind it. Minus 140 is not a bad price at all. And 8,300, even though it's middling, you know, division women's matchup, I don't know. I, I kind of like, like it as well. Getting out of it. She could actually push quite a pace and get some points here. Mm-hmm. All right. We got uh, Song Kanan taking on Derek Krantz. Song Kanan, 8,200. Uh, Derek Krantz is 8,000. Both guys can be had for minus 110. There's the juice uh, on both sides. That's why the bookie always wins. And um, yeah, like this is this is a pick em fight. It seems like it. Well, I have concerns about Derek Krantz in terms of his gas. He He came on. In the Luke fight, comes in on super short notice, like super tough, spo- tough spot. Notice. He's like a he's like a plus like eight hundred underdog. Like yeah. nobody, he didn't have a chance. He wasn't in. He wasn't put in a uh, situation to succeed. He comes out those first three minutes, and you're like, oh I'm shit, sweating. is he gonna beat Luke? Like he he came out, but then he was after three minutes, he looked gassed. Wow, he was spent. Oh, took the fight on a couple of days. Yeah, and, and he, and he knows that he's got, a, he's got to win on an early storm type of thing. That's how you win as a big underdog like that. So I'm not going to throw any hate on him on that. I'm, I imagine his gas tank's going to be better. I think this fight's going to be super, like, pretty fun. Um, Sunken on, I'm going to give the gas uh, advantage. We're also in China. This goes to decision, and if You're it's right. relatively close, I'm going to give it to uh, Song Kanan. But Derek Krantz, I think, could be inch Like, if he puts that, if he comes out like he did against Vicente Luque, I mean, he could potentially put uh, Song Kanan away. I think if he, like, if he caught him early, um, you know, he had, like, he had three minutes of, like, super, super aggression against Vicente Luque, who's, frankly, pretty damn good, so... I think he's live. I think he's live to win, but the pick would be Sankanan by decision. But he, this is a fight I'm totally staying away from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, Derek Krantz, I, I just hope that he does pace himself and that he doesn't fight that type of game plan. But I think Derek, Derek Krantz should get the win. And again, Krantz has got a lot of pass to victory here. Krantz has got a lot of experience, man. I mean, you look at the fact that his uh, pro record is 24 and 11. He's got 35 pro fights. He's also got like... 14 amateur fights to his credit. He's fought a lot of good guys. Here's a funny thing about Derek Krantz. Derek Krantz's losses, Vincente Luque, he's a perennial contender. The guy's got 11 losses. Vincente Luque, UFC veteran, perennial contender. James Nakashima, 12-0, just beat Yushin Okami, you know, 1FC champion. Alex Morono, UFC veteran. Derek Campos. Derek Campos is a Bellator veteran. And where that's actually not very impressive, he's a 16-time Bellator veteran. That is impressive. Jorge Patino, name me an organization that Jorge Patino hasn't fought for. Andre Korshkov, Bellator champion. Sean Spencer, UFC veteran. Brian Melanson, Strikeforce and UFC veteran. Dustin Poirier, oh, he's fighting for a title next week. Uh, Rich Clemente, longtime UFC veteran. Todd Moore, Strikeforce and WEC veteran. He, this guy has fought a who's who's of top show veterans, and he's lost fights, and he's won fights, but he's been there. He doesn't lose to bums. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying... Song Kanan's a bum. But he may be. But he very may well be, okay? Song Kanan is actually has a UFC. I think it's a UFC record. I think I could prove myself both wrong of, Both here. of his fights, he kicked his opponent in the balls and then would like get, got a knockout in like the next 30 seconds. Oh, Against Bobby it's, Nash, it's, kicks it's, him in the balls and then one-shots him. It's worse than that, brother. It's worse than that. <laughs> this guy gets signed to the UFC on the strength of a two-fight losing streak. Okay, mm-hmm. he lost to Elner Agayev, who was ten and six by decision. Then he got knocked out by two and zero Riddell when he made his UFC debut against Bobby Nash. He kicks Bobby Nash in the balls. Then when Bob, when the fight restarts, he clubs him with the right hand and knocks him out. Okay, kicked him in the balls. Maybe it was an accident. Then he fights Hector Aldana. He's a fucking underdog against Hector Aldana. 
People are telling me right now that he's going to be Derek Krantz, but yet people are backing <laughs> him, uh, Hector Aldana against. Okay, fair enough. He loses the first round against Hector. Oh Aldana. yeah, absolutely. Dude, I watched that. He too. finger blasts him so bad, a piece of Hector Aldana's eyelid comes off. His like his little eyelid splits. And in the second round, he kicks him in the balls, mm-hmm. and then and then he knocks him he, out thirty then seconds he, and later. And he knocks him out. So no, I know. Shit, he's he done fights. it twice, where he's like knocked out his opponent. Like the 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 one against Bobby Nash was like he kicked him in the balls, and then they like touched gloves, and then it was just like boom boom. Yeah, it's like one two, and it was he knocked him out. It's just like it? man, that's a tough spot for Bobby, <laughs> yeah. your boy Bobby. And, and Bobby afterwards, he's like, "Did you stop the fight?" And the ref's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Why?" Like, yeah, he I, maybe you. There's definitely an argument to stop the fight, but like out. Ow, ow, ow. But anyways, regardless, then he fights Alex Morono his last time out. I'm back in Morono. I feel like Morono is just a superior fighter all over. Very similar to Derek Krantz. Krantz is a black belt. You wouldn't know it, but he is. Alex Morono, fucker's a black belt. You wouldn't know it, but he is. Mm-hmm. Krantz likes to wing bombs, does he ever? Morono likes to wing bombs, does he ever? Anyways, Morono's up two rounds against, uh, is up two rounds against Song. And what does Song do? He blasts him in the eye with the dirtiest eye poke. It causes Morono just to scream out in pain. Fight resumes. He tries to just go after him. Morono shoots for a takedown. Some bitch grabs the cage. <laughs> He's actually at least pulled two fouls in all of his fights outside of the Bobby Nash fight, which he only was at enough time to pull one foul in because it only you're lasted not cheating, You're not trying. Not cheat. you're not trying. But he's very, very limited. He's a guy that had lost his two fights before coming to the UFC, and then he may or may not have gotten lucky against Bobby Nash, who isn't that bad. And then beats Hector Aldana, lost the first round, mm-hmm. and then catches him in the second. Not a very great performance. And then easily loses the first two against Morono. Maybe rallies in the third. Still too little, too late. Yep. Krantz, you talk about a bad gas tank, and I do agree. But like him and Nakashima, they went five rounds. They went five rounds for yeah. the LFA title. Like I think it was a, just a tough spot yeah. against Luke. Like you're going in there, you're like, I gotta kill this guy in the first two minutes because if we end up in a technical brawl, like I'm screwed. Vincente Luque is gonna chew me apart, and eventually you just got the Muay Thai clinch and. Put him out of his yeah, misery, yeah. right? Krantz, Krantz also like walks Krantz around. Krantz had moments earlier, and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, dude. Krantz walks around at 195 pounds, right? So you get a call on a few days' notice being like, hey, dude, you've fought in 35 times as a professional. You're now in your 30s. You've never fought in the UFC. You've never fought in this state. You take it. You take it, and you cut those 25 pounds. But now you know I took a fight on two days' notice. I had to travel to get here. I had to cut weight to get here. I've probably got about five minutes worth of cardio. But if I bum rush him, I got two minutes worth of cardio, but at least I got a shot. Like, what was he going to do? The punishment would be way worse being in there in the second round with your hands low, gasping for air with Vincent DeLuca in front of you. He did the right thing, just go after you. Now I think he'll full camp, fight a better game plan. Again, better than better than Song in every department, I believe. And I do think he's $8,000 and he's a pick'em, you know? Mm-hmm. The pick'em side of it, I know I'm going to get a tight fight, maybe. Because I think that, yeah, even though he has gone five rounds, even though I'm saying I'm not super worried about the gas tank, I do think that the gas is going to go towards Song. I do think that Krantz is going to win the first round for sure. I think Krantz is going to be winning the second round, but you're going to start to get a little bit worried, and I think he's going to cruise in the third but not get finished, and he's going to win the decision. But for $8,000, he could just finish him. I'm definitely willing to take the chance on that. Yeah. But for the, the minus 110, it's a pick em. Um I would bet it as a pick'em. I wouldn't try to juice up a parlay with it because I do see the inadvertent risk. Yeah. But Krantz should be a minus 140 favorite, and because he's a pick'em, I'm going to bet him. We got Anthony Hernandez taking on Jun Young Park. Anthony Hernandez is 8,800 on DraftKings, a minus 190 favorite. Park is 7,400 and plus 160. Who do you got here? 
Uh, Hernandez versus Park. Yeah, sorry. I've had to cram a lot of tape study in the last little bit. This here. one, this was one yeah, that... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. This I, struggled, I struggled with the tape study. Well, this, this, one. This, one, this one actually got they me... Blo- they blocked out the Hernandez fight, his last fight. It's out. not on Fight Pass. And even the Greasy sites were having a trouble yeah. with it. You could find it, yeah. That's um, bullshit. Okay. Yeah, it was, was... I don't understand why they broadcast... They, they black out fights on Fight Pass. Like, that have happened, like... Like if you're paying for fight pass, like why can't I watch Anthony Anthony Hernandez's last fight out against Marcus Perez? Against Marcus Perez. Yeah. Are you like, really worried about on that? On what fight earth too? is anybody like why why is someone why is it Fort Knox for me to watch that fight? Because why would that ever be black? Because what? they're like, we can get Paul to pay for some other service. Little do they know, they can't. There is no other but service. But somebody in a room somewhere is telling them that you'll, you're it's willing ridiculous. to pay for it. I should be able to watch Marcus Perez versus Anthony Hernandez. You can. Whenever I damn well please. Because you know what? There's not many people on earth trying to watch Marcus Perez versus Anthony Hernandez right now. Yeah, yeah, they should be happy that I'm willing to. And they're not even going to let me. So here it is. It is what it is. Um, I'll tell you something, right? So... So your misfortune could actually end up being our benefit because the fact that people can't watch that fight is not allowing them to see the fact that he's not that fucking good, this mm-hmm. Anthony Hernandez. He's just not. He's super green, man. He's 25, and he's finished pretty much everybody in the very first round. So what happens when you stretch this guy a little bit? He's just not that good, you know? Not that he's not that good, but again, he's 25. He's just got a long ways to go. Like, they rushed him way too soon getting him on. He beat Brendan Allen to win the LFA title. And Brendan Allen, I back that guy. I think he's got the skills. He should. I think he just won a contract on Contender Series. But that guy, he's got the skills. He should be here. So on one light, I'm like, damn, you know what? Hernandez has got skills. He's a very good boxer. He's got decent grappling. His wrestling, I'm not fully sold on it. And because I'm not fully sold on his wrestling, that's why I think he's going to have a problem here with Jung Young Park. Jung Young Park, he's just like one of your typical South Korean fighters. He's tough. He comes forward. He wings punches. And he wings lots of them. And that kind of pressure is what's going to get to Anthony Hernandez. Hernandez had smoked everybody out pretty much in the first round. He's not really tested all that much, right? When he fought his last fight against Perez, the first round's actually close. And he gets stung by Perez. And for the first time, you see this guy get hit, not like it. And now he's got to go to the second round. And Paul, that second round starts. And mentally... The wheels are already falling off. You just know he's not in for a good time. Body kick lands. Body kick stuns him. You want to bet on a guy that gets stung by body kicks? No, because they're unpredictable. Everyone's going to land them. And if you're weak to the body, it might be an issue. He's fucking minus 190 Mm -hmm. favorite. Got stung to the body, folds over against Marcus Perez. Marcus Perez then slaps on an anaconda choke. Where that's interesting is this Jung Young Park guy. He's 28 years old. You look at his fights. He comes forward, and he makes it dirty with you. Also, he's got two notable wins on his record. He beat uh, Finnish prospect Glenn Sparv, who has also spent a lot of time at AKA yep. Thailand. Good prospect. And he beat Ray Cooper the third. He beat Ray Cooper the third with a motherfucking anaconda choke. He beat Glenn Sparv with the pressure game of backing this guy up and beating him. He, he the, All the tools are there, and he's the underdog. People are just being like, I can't watch Hernandez's last fight, so I'll just watch his contender series fight. And so they like him. But on a card where I've backed pretty much all of the favorites, yep. this is this is the first dog I like. So I'll take that Jun Young Park uh, plus $160, $7,400. I'm in for that. We got Andre Sukumtath taking on Sue Maderji. Andre Sukumtath, 8,600 minus 185 favorite. Sue Maderji is 7,600 plus 160. Sue Maderji's pretty fun. Like, you know, you watch his. F- if you let him do what he wants to do. Yeah, which is like fun. spinning kicks to the body. <laughs> He's and got like- no ability to prevent you from just. Here's the, here's the greasy thing about this fight, though. It's like Andre Sukumtath usually does. 
the exact opposite of what you think he should do in a fight, right? Couldn't agree more. Is like when he was against Sugar Sean O'Malley, all he had to do was get up. Like that's the classic example. All he had to do was get up, walk, like move back and be like, your ankle is busted right now. You can't stand up. I win the fight just by you not being able to His coaches stand are yelling. Back up. As at home, you can hear the coaches yelling it. And yet he's like, I was concussed. I didn't know what was going on. Like, it's like, damn. It's hard to bet this guy now. Yeah, it's Suk- always been hard. Sukum and Tab obviously much more well-trained in terms of a world level of training. No um, hard Knocks 365, is he still yeah, yeah. there? Yeah, yeah, black zillion guy. Yeah, he's black zillion guy. He's been around that, you know, that part or those parts for years now. Um, he's very well-trained and everything like that. But yeah, he's, I could totally, like, I think based on that type of training, I think what he should do is watch the Lewis Smolka fight where Smolka just absolutely dominated grappling exchanges. I think Sukumtath, who is bigger than Lewis Smolka, Way would, bigger. would be able to grapple as well. That is what, but then you're relying on Sukumtath to go out there and grapple That's because I can problem. totally see him just staying at range and then like yeah, eating yeah. a spinning kick to yeah. the body, curling like right to the liver, curling up. And you're just like, why did I put my faith in him? So this one is a real, like, I'm almost tempted to play the dog just because I can't trust Sukumtath to do the right thing. And if I think if it just ends up being like a wild brawl on the feet, like, Maderji's dangerous and especially at plus one, 160. So that's my lean, but, like, this one's this one should be fun as well. I hope Sukumtath, for his sake, goes to the grappling. I think that's where he can really exploit this fight, but... I can't I can't bank on him to do that. Yeah, see, that's the issue is that he's had moments where it's like, damn, this guy can totally grapple, and you should go to that. But then the Sean O'Malley fight, it takes him a long time to realize I need to start grappling because he gets absolutely teed off on. Like, he's stung. He gets hurt. Do I think the same thing could happen here against Sumaderji? Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? It's, to Sukuman Task credit, he doesn't go down. This guy, you know, I give him a tough rub. I never bet on him. It's just not only, I'm not just laughing at that Sean O'Malley ring IQ fight, Paul. It's all of them. His fight with Albert Morales, split decision loss. His fight with Alejandro Perez, split decision loss. Paul, those are fights that were well within grasp for him. He just makes poor choices at the wrong time. The Luke Sanders fight, he is well on his way to losing that fight. And he fucking clips Luke Sanders, which if you know Luke Sanders, and if you're listening to the show at this point in the show, you know, Luke Sanders is. Uh, yeah, that's just something that's prone to happen. The Sean O'Malley fight, again, he could win that fight if he just backs away, doesn't. He could be on a four-fight winning streak in the UFC at this point. The Jonathan Martinez fight, we'll get to that in a second, then he loses to Montel Jackson. If he fights Sumaderji the way he fought Jonathan Martinez all day, he wins this fight. Easy. He's got a significant grappling advantage. He's a much bigger guy. Not only did Lewis Smolka toss around Sumaderji, Smolka's a decent grappler, by the way, but he's a fucking 25 He's a natural flyweight who's got a tall, lanky frame, not known for his offensive wrestling. He goes out there, and he literally has his way with this guy. Now he's going against Sukumantath, who's a natural 35-er, has gotten away with 45, but but is a, is a good-sized 35-er with the grappling advantage. And to boot, he's not lost on his feet. He's a good striker. He's a technical striker. He's also going to have Henry Hoofden crew devising a great game plan about how to get past this guy. I just feel like he matches up incredibly well with him. And even though I never go under Sukumantath, I fully understand that he should win. He's only minus 185, and I think it's a good enough fight for him that I will play it. The 88 or the uh, 8,600 
Nah, man, just no, no. ring IQ. Uh, he's got power standing, but I don't think it's going to be a factor in this spot. He doesn't have any submissions. Once the if I knew that he would wrestle, down. I would love him at 86. And he's the kind of guy. He's the kind of guy that when he it. takes you down, he'll just position. No, dude, remember when he fought Jonathan Martinez? I thought, fuck, Martinez is on short notice, natural flyweight, but he's scrappy. He's scrapping. He could give, he could surprise Sukumatath. And Sukumatath just drowned him with his ground game that we didn't really know about. John Martinez ain't that bad. I know. So now I look at I look at Sumaderji. Dude, he's just like Jonathan Martinez. He's a natural 25-er who's not going to be fully prepared for this. He's giving up the grappling exchanges. Fun on the feet. The grappling advantage is going to Sukumatath, and he's, he's going to play it. But yes, I, the worst, do it? the lowest ring IQ fighter in the UFC. Yeah. I need to now rely on him to stick to the proper game plan. Very worrisome. Minus one eighty five. I'll give it a shot. Eighty six hundred dollars in DraftKings. I'm gonna pass outside. Hadis Ibragimov takes on Da Ung Jung. Uh, Ibragimov uh, is ninety three hundred minus two seventy favorite. Uh, Jung is sixty nine hundred plus two thirty. What's your take here? Yeah, so uh, this Kadi Sibragamov, here's my story about Kadi Sibragamov. He's the M1 guy. Uh, he's a former M1 champion, so I've worked the fights on that side of it. He took on, this is last year, would have been February 2018, took on Stefan Puetz. Stefan Puetz, T800, uh, the man, the Terminator. I won, I uploaded this like sweet feature video that they did where he's literally the Terminator, but... Uh, M1 fucking red flagged and pulled it down. Sons of bitches. Devastating. I know, devastating. But anyways, I, this guy comes in. He's like three and zero, oh, and he's taking on, or he's four and zero. Oh, sorry, and he's taking on uh, Puetz, who's fifteen and three, and like well regarded German prospect. And he literally just whenever he wants, man, he's tossing Puetz around. If you've ever seen Stefan Puetz, go Google it. He is just absolutely shredded to the tits. Wouldn't pass it. You saw the test, I'm sure. But he just tosses him around when he wants. He has his way with him. He ends up choking him out with a bulldog choking the third round. I'm ultra impressed. His next fight, uh, Giga Kugashvili, same thing. I mean, just like the issue is that he stands very upright, very straight. His chin's way up, and he's just one of the powerhouse guys that just comes on a straight line, comes after you. And that's going to get you caught at some point. But if you can just go in there and bully somebody around, that's what you're going to do. Da Ung Jung, from the limited tape that I was able to watch on him, he's just, he doesn't got it. He's not up to snuff. He's not at that level. Uh, I don't think that he's going to have a ton of success here. I don't know where he'd have any of the advantages, even though he might just be able to clip them because, I mean, they're 205ers, they're big guys. One guy comes at you with his head straight up on the line. Maybe you can catch him. But I have just haven't been impressed with what I saw. He doesn't look overly athletic. doesn't look like he's got a, a huge ground game. When when he was on top, it didn't look like he had an ability to like pass or anything like that. Bragamov probably just stuffs any of his takedowns regardless, but I think he's just going to keep him standing, club him, beat him up, hurt him. Ibrahimov seems to have submission. like a hell of a chin. He seems to trust it. He'll get into like he's a bit of a maniac. Like he'll get into like really he's, dicey exchanges. But everything that I've seen, like the dude looks like he can take a punch, and yeah. he, he knows that he can take a punch. So he'll put himself in those situations because there's the one fight that he was in where he's like holding the guy's leg and just like feeding him. From that was his last time out, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got the first round knockout. Yeah, right. Like he was just eating some shots because he was just like, I can do this and you can't. And then yeah. he ended up completely dominating. Like I think. Well, it's the same thing with the Stefan Puetz fight. It's like he Puetz. I think he has enough to get through Da Ung Jung. Yeah, I I'll mean, just say that. Well, okay. There's the other thing, right? His last opponent, right? That Rafael Kijinchuk. He was seven and zero. He's a he, he was better. Giga was better. Stefan Puetz is better. This guy's already beaten a pile mm -hmm. of opponents better than this opponent. Yeah, he's making his UFC debut 
I think it's short notice, but at the same time, it's like here's actually an undefeated, decent Russian prospect that looks the part and has fought in good competition in M1. There's no reason why he should lose this fight. I think he wins this. Then you look at the fact that his last uh, five fights, he's finished all of those fights. He's finished those fights in the first round. He's finished those fights in the second round. He's finished some of those fights in the third round. It's just like he's not just going to go into cruise control mode. He's always looking for the finish. That's what you want. That's what you want. $9,300. I mean, if I'm going to have enough money to afford that one big expensive play, I think Ibrahimov would be the guy because he's getting a massively unproven opponent in Da Ung Jung. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, Da Ung Jung, um, he was take, he was, he's getting ready to take on Saprebek Safarov, shot to bits. And now he's taking on a young man. He's taking on a young man who's getting ready. Oh, and, well, and Saperbeck's take- like at least like 65, right? We yeah. went over this before on the show. Yeah. Uh, he's both of his losses. He's got two losses early in his career. Ro- Roke Martinez, who's like 300 fucking pounds. But Roke Martinez submitted him. And then his, he lost to Jun Su Lim, who was 7-8 and eight on a majority decision three years ago. Yeah. So, four years ago, I should say. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to go with my, with my Abragamov. Yeah, and I and I and I think that he'd be a decent play. Sorry, at two seventy and ninety three hundred, respectively. Demir, this is actually one of the better fights on the card, to be perfectly honest. It's funny that it's buried diff- this far down the prelims. At least on, I don't know, maybe they'll change the order of the bouts, but uh, based on what is on topology right now, this is what we've got. Demir Ismagulov taking on Thiago Moises. Uh, Demir Ismagulov is. 9,000 on DraftKings, a minus 185 favorite. Thiago Moises, 7,200 plus 160. Um, uh, right off the hop, not a fight that I'm looking at on DraftKings because I just think that D- Demir does have some decent wrestling, but he's not going to want to go into that game against Thiago Moises, at least for prolonged amounts of time in this fight. I think he's going to try to keep the fight on the on the feet. I think he points Thiago Moises on the feet in this fight, but he hasn't exactly... Yeah, he's been a des- decision machine and... He hasn't exactly scored big in any of his fights so far. He's more of a point fighter. He reminds me of like Rashid Magomedov. Yeah. Like back in the day. Yeah. Where's he now? He was at PFL for a bit, wasn't he? Yeah, he's a PFL guy still. No, oh, he might be with ACA now, which is ACB, but they merged and you know. Like he, he was like he should be fighting at in the UFC if it was. Well, he was also a decision machine. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. But like he reminds of... me, like Demir and him are pretty similar in terms of what I see from them. Um, I like Demir to get the win here, but uh, minus one eighty. Actually, I'm pretty. Ha- I'm. I wonder what the Demir by decision would be, because that may be a prop that I would be interested in. Yeah. Yeah, if if I'm looking at dogs with a shot, then Tiago Moises would be another one that I'd be looking at, I think, at plus 160. The problem that I'm looking with Demir is that he's looked ultra-impressive enough to me in his run in Russia, uh, and now he comes to the UFC, and he went, he cruised in a decision to Joel Alvarez, who is very much the bottom end of what you're going to get at the UFC level. Just very, very much a, a, a bottom end fighter. He cruised the decision. I didn't like that. Then I go and I look back at some of his other fights. Okay, that Alex Gorgies. Alex Gorgies ain't no motherfucking UFC fighter. He was so... He's trash cans, top prospect, your boy. Um, I, what can I say? His two fights in the UFC have been about the lowest that you could get. And he's won decisions against both guys. And he just kind of going through the motions. So then you look at his run in, in M1. Artem Damkowski, Raul Tutorelli, Rogerio Matias. The problem is, Paul, is that none of those guys are as good as Thiago Moises. Thiago Moises beats all of those guys. Thiago Moises looks inf- infinitely better against those guys. Thiago Moises fights Alex Gorgis and Joel Alvarez. Do you think either guy makes it out of the second round? Fuck no. 
he would maul them. So, so yeah, Ishmael Gulov maybe does have a wrestling advantage, but I got to give the grappling advantage, the BJJ advantage to Thiago Moises. As far as the fight stays standing, I just don't see enough out of him. He doesn't get a ton of power, doesn't get your respect. He's going to have to fight this Brazilian off of him. This has just got the making of a pass fight. Because I do like Ishmael Gulov. Mm. I actually, I've always bet on him. He's my guy. But this is a pass fight. This is a dogger pass fight. Maybe I'll puss puss out and I'll take the pass. But this is a dog with a shot, no doubt. $7,200, good price. I would pass even if I was an Ishmael Gulov guy. Decision, like you're saying, that's the way. No, it he's like a terrible DraftKings player. But for 9000 on DraftKings, oh, like, absolutely. no chance on that. 7200 in intrigues me much more. We got Laura Lara Procopio taking on Carol Rosa. Lara Procopio is eighty four hundred minus one hundred five. Carol Rosa seventy eight hundred minus one fifteen. So seventy eight hundred dollar favorite. Obviously, it's a pick 'em, but uh, Rosa is going to have odds value in this fight. Um, Laura Procopio. My struggles were the last two fights that she's had. I didn't see any tape um, available. I don't believe online. So I don't know what type of progression she's made. She looked like I don't know. This is this is the cranberry sauce fight of the night, 100%. frankly. Like I don't oh, understand. The morning, why you Paul. have two Brazil. Oh yeah, go get go have a bathroom <laughs> break at three thirty in the morning. There you go. This is your chance. Yeah, this is going to be a real big struggle at three thirty in the morning, <laughs> trying to stay awake. Um, going through this this fight. For sure. Honestly, man, like For sure. I don't know. Uh, Procopio looks like she could be maybe potentially more physical, but Rosa has a lot more experience. Um, I really, it's really hard for me to feel like I have an edge from the, the type of tape that is available to me. Do you have a hot take on this one? No, geez, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, this is okay. So another similar situation where I was like, this is why there's weight classes. Inoue is a better grappler. Inoue seems to have the better skill set. Procopio but is a better, she's a better grappler for sure. Seems that has a better skill set. The problem is, is that she's a natural 25er taking on the natural 135er. Both girls are taking the fight on short notice, but Carol Rosa was actually supposed to fight Jan Finney in that like canceled battlefield fight card. And that was like a month ago. So you know she had a full camp, then would have approximately taken like three weeks off, right back into camp. She's going to be in good shape. Procopio, Procopio is just a superior grappler. She needs to get this fight to the ground. She needs to get this fight to the ground in a hurry so that she can at least try to submit her. But if she doesn't get it to the ground, then she's going to start to fatigue and then it's going to be an issue. But I got to go Procopio. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. It's not like I'm an expert on either of these girls. So let's just break it down from like the most basic of standpoints when you're looking at tape on a really low level fight that you think you might want to bet, right? Uh, both of them are from respectable Brazilian camps with... Um, with Kale Rosa being under that PVT camp, that Piranha Valley Tudo, which is like Andrade comes from there mm-hmm. and like different people like that. But at the same time, you've got uh, Procopio is out of Nova Union, the best of the camps. Okay, fair enough. Well, what has Carol Rosa achieved in her in her fight so far? Okay, decent enough record. She has fought for just Favela Combat, Nakao Cyborg 3, MMA Brutus 1, Future FC 4. Okay, well, where's Procopio fought? Okay, Shudo Brazil. So she's a Nova Union fighter, the best camp in Brazil, mm-hmm. who fights a Shudo Brazil, the best promotion in Brazil, where she's currently the champion at 125 pounds. Mm-hmm. She's undefeated, and she's a very good grappler. Her striking is a work in progress. Holy fuck. But she's not scared. She don't mind getting hit to close the distance, get a hold of you. Wrestling, not that good. But Carol Rosa, takedown defense, not that good. I got to give it to her. It's just it's a greasy-ass fight 
where there's limited footage available, you don't really know what version you're going to get out of them, and you're going by the basics of one's fought at a higher level, is out of a higher level camp, uh, has the better skill set. Listen, we know what happens when striker versus grappler meet in the octagon, right? It's just, it's been proven at this point. But when you're not particularly great at either skill set, who's to say you don't get tired? Who's to say you don't get stood up and get beat up? So yeah, listen, I, I totally understand the, the, the downside. What I'm going to leave you at, though, is, and I'm myself, I'm going to look at this fight as many more times as I can, is that this could be, I don't want to say a make it or break it, Paul, but I think you're going to want one of these. Well, if you like Procopio, and, Procopio. and like if, if the odds continue to move this way, Carol Rosa will be a, a massive leverage play. We always say this, though, and sometimes it doesn't actually play out that way. It but. doesn't. It doesn't play out that way. But but Carol Rosa has been submitted in both of her last mm-hmm. two losses. She's two and two in her last four fights. Been submitted in both of those. Whereas uh, Laura Procopio, both of her fights are decision, which is why you're getting a good price. But she's got a significant grappling advantage. If she gets the fight to the ground early, she could submit her early. If she submits her early and she's eighty four hundred dollars, and virtually nobody plays her. Well, then we're looking at something that's very intriguing. Now, so, if you're playing multiple lineups, have a, have a have a go, because I fully am aware of the risk that's involved in that. But I think Procopio could have some upside if you're uh, looking to take a gamble. And finally, this one is like, what? Cranberry twice in a row? Batagor... All right, this is why the, this is why the Batagaral Dana takes on highly Alatank. So when I first looked at this on, like, I think I was on Bad MMA Tips printing out... I always like to print out like their size, whatever like that for, for, for the people. I had no idea whether this was a guy or girl before I actually like both. Like I didn't know if this was a men's fight or a ladies fight oh, yeah. based on those names. It's well, just like, you could say Batagaral Dana takes on highly al- so Haley, It does sound like it sounded like hate, hate Heidi or something. I was thinking I'm like, Oh, maybe that's Hiley? like. Heidi from there, but it's not. Could be a hipster name. Heidi. These are some guys. Um, eighty five hundred minus one twenty for Dana. Alatang is seventy seven hundred plus one hundred. You got anything on this one? Yeah, like virtually nothing at all. The uh, one guy Alatang is like twelve and seven. Um, yeah, Dana is like six and one, but has fought like nobody. Like this is this is bottom of the barrel here, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, this is a tough one for sure. Uh, this is just my. Quick notes on this one as far as it goes. But, um, okay, we'll start with Haile Adelang, right? He's like 27 years old, not bad in that regard. Loses his second pro fight to Yadong Song, our boy, not very talented, but did make it to the UFC. Um, but he fought a friend of mine, Dennis Purich, back in 2014 and got C-moked. Clubbed, dropped, knocked out. Huge win for Dennis. He then lost to that Zinkang Zhao, who made it to the UFC, the bottom of the barrel, and then gets submitted by a by a fighter who was 0-0 at the time. And then, Paul, he just fights just the bottom of the barrel. Beat my boy, Kana Hyatt. But, I mean, he was 14-15, so that's not a big deal. Um, loses to Kai Asakura, who's a total badass, just beat Horiguchi, and then wins two fights over fairly bottomed-out-level talent. So just, like, there's not a whole lot that you can grab from that. But he is beatable. When he lost to that Kai Asakura, who, again, is a badass, got knocked down 29 seconds, and then he does have the loss to my boy Dennis, who knocked him out. He does have a couple knockout losses on his record. What I'm basing this one on is from looking at tapes on it, he appeared to have the, the striking advantage in the sense that he had a little more volume. Maybe he had better... with. I just feel like a little more output. Had a decent kick game, had de- decent punches. Not a specialist anywhere, but maybe it was an okay enough striker. Slight advantage to him. Uh, with Dana, Dana is an okay enough striker that I think he'll be able to hold his own, but he seemed a lot more physical, and he had a wrestling advantage. And again, 
like the last fight, if you're going to base it on your limited knowledge of where either fighter is at, then I think I'm going to go with the fact that, from what I've seen anyways, uh, Batgirl Dana was one of those classic Mongolian fighters. Like, he, he, he was strong. He's probably wrestled his entire life, and when he's going to revert to it at the end of the day. The very few Mongolian fighters that you have seen on a world stage, they fight very much the same. Jadamba mm-hmm. uh, Naratangalang, he was their guy for yeah, a long yeah. time, but he I've was like an Olympian. Yeah, he was like an Olympian-level, like, grappler, but all of these guys are just unbelievable grapplers. And when I was in Abu Dhabi, Mongolia was the team that was represented there. And it's the same thing. Like, these guys, they're all cauliflower eared up. They grapple from the time. They had a kid's team. Kid's team mauling people. When you see them, you just know that physical presence that they bring. So I just feel like he's going to have that physical that presence. He's going to have the wrestling advantage. And even though this is just a tight, greasy match that surely you want to pass on, uh, because I'm in the business of giving you a pick or telling you who I would go with, that is who I'm going. I see people tracing dog money with uh, at a tangling. It's at plus 100 now. There's nothing more to be gained mm-hmm. out of it. The $7,700, I just I don't know where this fight's going to take place. I don't know how it's going to go down. When I try to visualize it in my head, I can't get a good read on it. So $7,700 is still a big price tag. Flip side to the guy I think's going to win is $8,500. Like, even if he gets the wrestling going, he's not the kind of wrestler that's going to score 10 takedowns. He's not the kind of guy that's going to chain wrestle for 15 minutes. So completely pass on a DK standpoint, largely pass on a Moneyland standpoint, but the pick would be denied a decision victory based on his superior wrestling prowess. Just want to apologize to everybody for all the blinks <laughs> throughout this episode. There's this been is the ton- Chinese bootleg. There's version. been tons of them. Um, I, I, We've had this issue at the studio for a while now, and you know I've changed a bunch of chords and yada, yada, yada. And I thought that those were fixing it, but like now that the weather is kind of trash out there today, like I'm almost convinced it's a power sourcing issue just to the studio in general. So, um, so yeah, that's why like the audio has probably popped out a bunch over the course of this show, and the video is definitely flashed to black. People recognized it. Listen, the quality. Hopefully, we'll be able to fix it. The quality of the production reflected the quality of the card. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's Uh, been. This is a hard. This is a really hard one. Like, if I'm going to call a spade a spade, this is a. This is a tough card, man. We sounded very uncertain there, and dude, I I am uncertain about a lot of this stuff. Way more. Like, yeah, our UFC 241 DC. Like, we had real hot takes. Like some of these fights, it's like hot takes. This is a little different. It's it's just a tough. It's tricky for sure. But uh, you got any final thoughts there, Cody? Yeah, the UFC finally did us a favor that if you... I know I'm going to wake up and watch it. Let's be real here. I'm sure most people won't, but I I am. And whereas people keep telling me, like, damn, dude, starts at 3 in the morning. Actually starts at 4 in the morning. Because even the most hardcore of fight fans don't give a fuck about them first two fights. <laughs> no, God, no. <laughs> I'm not waking up at three to start that. You shit. may have nah, to, nah. if there's any finishes. I'll wake though. up at four and I'll watch the rest of the card. Dude, I actually. Procopio Rosa's like, probably. Well, unless I don't mind the rest of the card. I don't yeah. like those first two fights. The rest of the card, Demir. Yeah, it picks M- up. M- it picks M- up a Demir. M1 champ Moises. That's sick. Caddis is an eight and no former M1 champ. That's sick. Sugman Tath, he's earned his place. Park was a prospect. Uh, oh, sorry, yeah, Hernandez was a par- prospect. He was on Contender Series. He's got a little bit of hype. He's only 25. He's out of Sacramento. Yeah. Not alpha male. But he's out of that. Oh, well, yeah. Like, a lot of these fights have potential to be fun. Yeah. But, like. Song versus Krantz. Inoue versus Wu. You know, it, it, it's going to be fun. And there's going to be some guys out here that you're going to see on those bigger cards down the road. But those first two fights, the <laughs> fuck. Like, what are you doing? It makes yeah. no sense. They, they, they're they losing money on that fight. Because they'll lose more in flying Lara Procopio, yeah, Del Rosa, two 
China. That just makes bad business sense to me. Like, Terrible I look business at them, like, why are you flying them? You you could have put them on Montevideo, which was two weeks or what, like three weeks ago. You could have just put them on a, an internal South American flight from Brazil to Uruguay. Sounds a lot more efficient with your money than bringing them over there. Nobody in that. Nobody in China is going to care about this fight, I wouldn't imagine. Yeah, yeah. Unless I'm missing imagine. something, unless there's some sort of narrative here that I'm missing. But either way, uh, final thoughts. You got everything. Do you, are you going to go through oh, your yeah, parlay? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I might as well run through the greasy parlay here. Uh, we're going to go with Andraj. We're going to go with Zaleski. We're going to go with Kaya France. Mavzari Vloev. Mizuki Inoue. Derek Krantz, who's not quite the dog, but at least is even. Jung Young Park is the dog. Got to get one of those on there. Sukhmantath, Ibrahimov, Ishmael Gulov. Maybe I don't want Ishmael. I'm going to take Moises. Balls up. I got another Ooh. dog there. Yeah, I got to take another dog. I like Ishmael Gulov, though. You should pass, but because I'm giving you the rundown, I'll take Moises. Um, I'm going to take Procopio, and I'm going to take Batgirl Dana. And, like, where the value is on there is those greasy fights. Because the other ones, you're not, you know, it's not a great price tag. But there's money to be made on this card. Mm-hmm. It's just this is also the kind of card where don't just bet stupid fights for the sake of betting them. I mean, just, so I think just in, in general, morning, just betting big chalk on unproven commodities is something to avoid. Right? You don't want to be laying big numbers on unproven commodities. Yeah. Like, that's it, that's when you run into danger in this, in this sport. And if, and, and, and like, if the Sukumantath one, scare, like, I, you can pick him. That's fine. Like, he does have the path to victory. He's better trained and everything like that. But it's like, at the end of the day, you know that you're going... You, I just don't wouldn't want anybody, you know, after the fact being like, I can't believe Sukumantath didn't try to take him down. It's just like, you, you need to know that the bad fight IQ, you're buying that into the price. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah. I would say the, the main event worries me for whatever reason. Zaleski is overpriced at 300 Kaikara France does worry me. Ivloev is <laughs> 7 500 yeah, so, exactly. Oh, yeah, I feel good about that. Uh, in a way, just that size advantage got me worried. Krantz, for where he's at, that's like a good value. Mm-hmm. Park, he's going to be my dog of the week. Sukumantath, oh, man, I don't know why I like that. Bragamov, <laughs> I do like that. I'm going to pass on the rest of that shit. So yeah. if I was to say, like, what's my most confident play? Ivloev. There's nothing to be gained there. If yeah. you parlay Ivloev with Ibragamov, you're still not even getting even money. If you put them with Sukhmantoth, you got three fights. Who's going <laughs> to shit in your pie? Who's going to shit in your pie? But you could get some value there. And then my dog of the week would be Jung Young Park, the second backup dog, the only other guy I was really backing, although there's a couple of even money fights, would be Moises. That's the wrap-up on that, ball. Boom. I think, Yeah. We, gave, we let the people, you let the people know exactly where we stand at the end of it. So that's perfect. Uh, thanks, Cody Zafnik, bringing down the fights with me as always. So for Cody, I'm Paul saying goodbye and good luck. Experience. Experience.